Hello and welcome to the Ronnie Lever Show, where every week we bring you fascinating guests with inspiring stories of success and overcoming obstacles from the world of sports, business, and entertainment. To support this channel, please subscribe, turn on the notification bell, and hit the like button so that we can deliver you the best content possible. And now, thank you very much and enjoy the show. I'm very, very excited to have her here today. She's originally from Asheville, North Carolina. She's an American talk show host, television producer, mom, wife, author, entrepreneur, and a philanthropist. She has shared the stage with Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, Erin Brockovich, and many more. And she has a huge heart. I'm absolutely thrilled to have her on the show. The queen of personal development, live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Please welcome, here is Lauren Lahav. Hey, Ronnie. How are you? So glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. And it's, um, wow. Uh, just when you're, when you're looking at your life today and you're looking back at your journey, just hearing that, what comes to mind to you? Oh, my gosh. I, I look at, I just think, wow. Like I think about, you know, just being from a small town and kind of how people thought my life was supposed to look. You know, you go to school, you get a job, you have kids and you die with regards to pretty much. And I look and I was always kind of a rebel. I've always been a rebel, I think, and didn't really follow the path the way everybody expected me to. And I'm glad I didn't. I listened. I'm glad I listened to my heart and listened to the pull every time that uh, I felt it coming on, even though I got criticized a lot, <laughs> a lot. Well, that's always when you stick your head out of the crowd, then you kind of like open yourself up to get criticized. What is it that you wanted to get, like that you wanted to become as a kid? Was it something traditional or did you, like, what was it? Well, I think as a kid, I think most kids if they are like me. And, and if I apologize if my dog's barking a little bit, I think absolutely I wanted to become a veterinarian for sure until I understood that there was um, blood and humans involved, right? Like in the parents, the people that own the, that have to deal a lot more, not just with the, the, the uh, pets, but the animals themselves, but the people. So um, yeah, I changed my mind real quickly. And I've always been into debate as you probably know. And so I knew that in some way uh, when I went to college, that I was gonna, I was gonna be a broadcast journalist. I was actually offered a job in Atlanta to work at CNN when CNN first started off, and I couldn't pronounce certain words uh, like of, you know, presidents of certain countries or prime ministers. And instead of asking for help, Ronnie, I was like, oh, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I um, decided to change my path, which I'm very glad that I did. But I got into sports marketing. And so it's funny when you were talking entertainment and sports and everything, I'm like, well, I actually have done a little bit of everything, not a, not an athlete as an athlete, but more as just in those different worlds. So yeah, that's what, that's what I thought I was going to do. And then I went and got my doctorate of waitressing and then moved to California and then a little bit of everything has happened since then. Wow. That's, that's really fascinating. You already went a little bit into your background. So from all of that, from a little bit of everything and your doctorate of waitressing, where I'm sure the one or the other can relate to that, uh, <laughs> because we all need to kind of find a way to, to get our ends met, especially when we are just starting out. How did you then get into personal development and not just like discover it as, as something where you would say, okay, that's interesting. I'm going to use this for me, but like, like really find 
that as a field to work in? You know, it's I, when I really think back to it, I've always been into personal development. I mean, even since I was a little girl, I was thinking back to my dad, who was an optometrist for 52 years. He was always making sure that we were reading books about personal development. He loved, um, you know, he was with a, he did a part time with a company called Shackley. And so I was always listening to Jim Rohn. I didn't even realize it that I was always listening to Jim Rohn as a little girl, had no idea. That that's what it was and that that would ever, but I, I, I loved it. I always was learning. Um, and then the backstory might be when I was in college, my boyfriend bought me a book when we were coming back from a football game and the name of the book was unlimited power. And he goes, Oh my God, like that is so you, you're unlimited power. I'm like, uh, and so he picks up the book and obviously it was Tony Robbins book. It was um, November, 1987. And he picks it. And back then there were no like personal development books, no cookbooks, no, everything was just books all together. And he picks up the book and he goes, one day we're going to go to a Tony Robbins seminar. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I am, I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going to go work for CNN. And uh, I took the book and I traveled across the, you know, the United States with it. And little did I know that I was going to end up at Tony Robbins house, November, 1989. So I think I just, I don't know. I think one of my big things is always be learning. Even when I was waitressing, I loved learning. I loved hearing people's stories. I, I, for me, it wasn't just to to make money. It was like, who who was I going to meet? What interesting stories? I mean, my very first customer was Howard Head from Head Tenniswear. And when I found out who he was, I was like, so tell me, how did you, you know, how did you create the oversized racket? And he's like, I couldn't see the ball anymore. And then, you know, it just, it just, so many, I love just hearing people's stories and like, what could I learn from them to make my life better? And I think I learned so much, even from that Howard Head story, that there's so many wonderful possibilities that are even right in front of us, but we're trying to make things so much more difficult than they really are. Oh, that's so funny. And I'm just realizing, I think I had one of those head <laughs> oversized rackets when I was a kid because then I could hit the ball better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was learning out. It was, I think the head 720 was the name of the record. And like the head 660 or something was the normal one. But yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it to have a bit of a bigger racket in a way. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think personal development, like I think that all of us, right, you can't go out there and have any influence until you influence yourself and know what influences you. So I think we got to always be looking for that life is kind of a personal development journey if you choose to to look at that way, right? Like, who was I? Who do I want to become? How do I want to show up in the world? What do I need to do to go from where I am to where I want to be? And I think if you look at life as this beautiful personal development journey, then um, you'll enjoy the journey a lot more, right? And that you will love who you were, but you also are more inspired by who you're becoming. So I think it's a beautiful way to phrase. And I believe that also everybody watching our show or listening to it is, is kind of on the way of or on the path of growing and, and growth. And I think especially now that has become more and more mainstream. And, and when you started out in, in, the, in the late 80s, basically, um, yeah. or even before that, personal development was very, very niche. So you're, you're really a veteran that, in that field. So what does personal development mean to you? Um, personal development to me means always be growing. I mean, it means just to look at your life and, and go, okay, this is great. I think it's about being, how would I say this? Happily discontent. So grateful for what you have, but always be looking for how you can do better, be more, you know, my, I'm a, I'm a little Jewish girl from the South and in, from when 
I grew up in the South. There were not many Jewish kids there. And I remember this lady that worked for my dad and she said, doc, I hope you're not offended. She said, but you are the most Christ-like person that I've ever met. And my dad goes, why would I be offended by that? And he said, that's like the biggest compliment you could ever pay me. And, you know, my, I think growing up, my parents always taught me to just do the right thing, meaning to live a Christ-like life, however you want to look at it. And that, that means growing, that means stretching, that means putting yourself on the line, that means helping people, that means, you know, being a leader. And I think I've always led my life that way is just that that was very profound to me as a little girl. Um, you know, I mean, I remember, I mean, and people that maybe aren't from the United States won't be able to relate to this, but I remember listening to, um, there was, I forgot his name. He was a minister from the Crystal Cathedral. And Norman Vincent so Peale? No, um, I forgot what his name was, but we would listen on Sunday mornings. We would listen to sermons. I mean, there was... My, my father would always say the worst thing you could be is be ignorant. So you need to understand and appreciate everyone and where they, where they're from, what their backgrounds are. And I think that I, like, again, I think that just personal development means to me is not be ignorant, right? Like <laughs> do the work, find out what, what is available and how you can take your life to the next level to help others. And I think it's very, that's very beautiful. And especially in, in the times that we're living today, I think it's very, very important to, to, to know that there is more than one side to the story. Yeah, there are different aspects, and 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 if we would actually um, not like if you just open our our horizons and and looking into also what does the other person say, we don't necessarily need to agree. Absolutely, just coming from a point of understanding in, instead of a point of of blocking it out right away. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I would I would always say to people growing up, I want people to to love me for who I am, not what I am, right? And I wanted them to to just get to know me and what I stand for and my values in, in just how I show up. And that's why, you know, and I think that that's honoring who you are. So that's, yeah, that's, so I guess I've always been in personal development without even realizing it until just now. <laughs> so. and, and, and we always are. So, so going back to the journey and, and obviously the biggest name in personal development nowadays is, is, is Tony Robbins. It, it totally is. And, and, um, and one part of your story, not everything, of course, but one part of your story is kind of like also how you started out in that field was that you were working with Tony Robbins. In, in, and, and you've been, in one way, you're still working with him at some point, but you were also even an employee for, for more than a decade, I, I believe, at, at Robbins Research. Yeah. So um, tell us how that, like how that came to be, because nowadays when people approach Tony or when people see Tony Robbins, it's like this larger than life personality it's like this oh my god the person from the netflix show or, the, or movie or, or the person from i don't know uh from all kinds of things fill stadiums and so on but you you've known him like from the late 80s or, or early 90s and, yeah. and it was quite different wasn't it so funny i was just somebody just sent me a picture from 1990 let me see if i can find it this is a crew picture from 1994 i don't know if you can see there something happening there from 1994 you don't know if you can see that they literally sent that yesterday and tony's right there in the middle and he's sitting beside jim robbins who was his dad who this is jim robbins his dad uh -huh. he had, took his name and you know i think like i said i i got tony's book my boyfriend bought me his book in november 1987 I moved to Colorado. I took the book with me. I ended up November 1989 
uh, a group of people asked me if I wanted to go deliver food to the homeless. And I said, yes, that sounds great. And we ended up at this big house in Del Mar, California. And it turned out, and this house just happened to be in the shape of a castle. Tony was 29 at the time. I had no idea who he was. I didn't know anything of where I was because everybody had a big house in Del Mar, right? And so he just happened, showed up and they go about 25 people there. We went and delivered food to about a hundred people. And I'm walking around the turret of the castle and I see this guy in the presence, this guy in Nelson Mandela. And then I get to this giant shadow box. I'm like, oh my God, that's that book that my boyfriend bought me in college. And Tony comes up behind me and he's like, hey, have you read my book? I'm like, no, but I have it. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't very smart to say to the dude. And he goes, look, I saw you had a really great time today. And I think what people don't understand, it's it's what Keith Cunningham talks a lot about. You got to get in line and you got to stay in line. And Tony like got in line. He said that this was what he was going to do, but he didn't get out of line when something looks a little bit better. You know, he stayed in line. Like back then it was delivering a hundred baskets. Now it's a hundred billion meals, right? He saw the vision of what things were going to look like 10 years from now, even though people told him he was crazy. I can't remember how many times people would tell him he was crazy when we went, I remember when we first went to the UK for the first time. They said, oh, it'll never work in the UK, right? And then they said, it'll never work here. It'll never work there. It'll never work there. And what I love the most about him is he didn't listen to the noise, right? He didn't listen to all the noise. There's so much that is around us. Um, and he just saw that vision of what was possible, you know, of what he was going to create in the 90s, what he was going to create in the 2000s, what he's going to create. You know, he really did a uh, you know, a short term, a medium term and a long term vision of what's possible. So I can't even imagine what it is now, but I just I respect him so much for getting in line and staying in line. And uh, and, you know, but the thing also that is amazing about him is he's always he's never looking, go, oh, I did great. He's always looking and goes, what was great and what can I make better the next time? So he's always looking for how can I make the next moment better for people? And, um, and, and then I also love how curious he is about people. He, he really does believe that everybody's story matters. So I've learned so much from him, like so much from him. And then I've done it in my own unique way, right? I didn't like try to be another Tony Robbins because I can't, and I don't want to be another Tony Robbins. Like Tony's Tony, you know, I, I want to, I don't want to waste the person that I am. And that's the thought, like, how can I take what I've learned and apply it to me as a mom, as a wife, as a, you know, a entrepreneur, as an, you know, an independent woman, an interdependent woman, what can I do to create it in my own unique way? So. Okay. First of all, you said some beautiful things here. For, one thing that I really love is you got to get in line and you got to stay in line because yeah. this is very, very, um, actually pretty much the opposite of today's instant gratification world. Yeah. Of like, oh, it doesn't work right now. Okay, let's just do something else. Yeah. Instead of, no, this is what I want to do. And I believe in it. And I'm going to find a way. Yep. And just to 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 be there. And, and, and I'm sure you've had the same. But I can, I've been doing what I'm doing now for the last 15 years. Right. And in the beginning, people are just looking at you like, okay, is this guy for real? Is this guy, like, is this somebody we can take serious? Yep. Is it something like that? We, and, and you're not going to get the big jobs usually when you start out. So oftentimes it takes some years or maybe even a decade to become an overnight sensation. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing, what I really loved about what you said was um, that you did not want to be another Tony Robbins. Yeah. You wanted to do your own thing because it's never about being the copy of somebody else. It's always about 
figuring out who you really are. So how did you figure out who you really are, Lauren? I listened. I listened. I listened to what people would, um, well, first of all, I would, when I, when things would come out of my mouth, I would almost like feel like if that really resonated with me or not. Right. Like, or if it did, it feel like that I was trying to be someone else. Right. Like I said, I'm like, that's not me. Like, come on, that's not me. That That's not who I am. I would, and, and then I'd ask myself like, well, what is you? And I would really spend the time discovering who I am. I'd say that there's four different stages that people go through. There's, you know, discovering who you are, right? Then there's staying true to who you are. Then there's like rediscovering who you are. And then there's staying connected to who you are. And I, I think that, I mean, I've been through some rediscovery stages. It was interesting. I, I had somebody this, I mean, and I know when I went through those stages of when I was like still discovering who I was, right? Like I, I, I noticed some of the patterns. It's interesting now when I see people and I work with people and I see that, oh, they're still discovering who you are. They're, they're not staying true yet, right? Um, and so I think that a big thing was I really listened. I'm like, was that me or was that somebody else, right? Or is that, did that feel right? Did that was like really aligned with who I am or is it just like off? So I started to pay attention. I think awareness is key with regards to that. And I'd ask for feedback a lot. I would, you know, I, especially any opportunity that I had to speak, whether it was at my kid's school or whether it was, you know, I just, just last week, you know, before my event, I flew to go do an event for that my niece asked me to do for like 700 women in Washington, D.C. And I would, you know, and it was a very different crowd. It was a big stretch for me. And I just had to really take the time and go deep and think about what's the most important thing that I want people to feel when they leave after hearing me. What is, what is the emotion that I want them to feel? And I went back to that and I got so grounded about that. Then I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. What's in my toolbox. I collect stories. I collect stretches. I collect, you know, games, I, everything so that I know what's in my toolbox that I can pull out for a different crowd. Um, and I think that that was the, the big thing for me. I would listen. I, I remember once I was in um, Dallas, Texas, and I was doing these events for moms. It was 2000. I called them millennium mom events. And my friend, she said, do you realize how much you touch your hair? And I had no idea. I was just totally unconscious about it. So now I make sure that I like, keep my hands available so that I'm not touching my, and I use my hands more so that I don't touch my hair. Right. But little things that I would always ask for coaching. I would ask people to tell me about the pad words that I would work, that I would use. So that's, I got a little, I got the awareness. Wow, very, very beautiful. And, and again, I, there are quite some things that I actually could uh, want to touch on. I'm first going to start off with discovering who you are. And you also created some time ago some affirmation cards. Mm -hmm. I am affirmation card. Mm -hmm. What exactly is that? And what is the power behind the words I am? Right. So I created the cards because in my planner, I would have my I am statements, I'm loving, I'm honest, I'm passionate, I'm compassionate, I'm kick-ass, I'm full of faith, I'm God's girl, I'm too much your type, I'm a sexy salsa dancer, I'm an awesome wife, I'm a kick-ass coach, I'm hilarious. And I would do that to fill myself up. That was my premium fuel. So what happened was every time that I would do a talk, I've done this for probably, I don't know, 18 years. Anytime I do a talk, I always talk about, I believe that your, your rituals your, the questions you ask yourself and the people that you hang around. That's when it, for me, what it all boils down to. 
And I, anytime I would do a talk, I would go back to my I am rituals, talking about giving my, myself premium fuel. And the reason I turned them into cards was there was a lady who was a friend and she said, I heard you speak and I just want you to know how much your I am statements meant to me. And I was like, why don't I just turn them into cards? Like, why wouldn't I just like have them beautifully designed? And I had, I hired a, if I, you know me, Ronnie, if I do anything, I'm going to do it right. So I hired like this one of a kind designer. And then I had this beautiful box made and I had all of these things. And I did it because of that woman, the woman, she was a breast cancer survivor. And I wanted her, it was one person that I wanted to help one person to make a difference. It wasn't about selling millions of cards and making millions of dollars. Was, I was like, if I could help that one woman and that she could pick a card, that it would change her life. So we all know, right? If you, when you, if you go back to Moses and the, you, you, when, when Moses went to the burning bush and the burning bush and God says to him, I am that I am. And we are, that words I am are so powerful, what we say to ourselves. So I know for me, that's been my premium fuel. I do it anytime I get on stage, anytime I do a, a, a meeting right before we got on this, you know, this, this um, beautiful interview. I mean, I picked up this one. I picked up the I am abundant card, right? So every time, and it's, it keeps me grounded and centered and remembering what I need to remember for myself. So. It's very beautiful, and thank you for sharing that. And, and yeah, it's it's so powerful. Like everything you put after "I am," it's really something that is that becomes your identity, especially when you when you ingrain it, when you repeat it, when you like an affirmation or an incantation. The other thing that before that I really loved when you were talking about becoming a speaker, um, that was really really something that that I loved a lot was that you said that you always have an emotional outcome. That you always mm -hmm. think about what do I want them to feel? It's also for me, also when I teach people, um, or when when I yeah, when I coach people how to speak, it's it's also have an outcome, know your audience, and also have an emotional outcome. Like what is the emotion that you want to leave behind? Because uh it and it actually doesn't matter if you're a speaker, if you're a coach, if you're a salesperson or whatever it is. If you're having moment, a conversation with anybody, if you're having a conversation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The moment that you're actually uh, having a, a conversation with somebody else, it's always about they're never going to remember what you said exactly, but they always remember how you made them feel. So you also said that you took every opportunity to speak. How did you get into speaking and, and how did you learn it? Well, I think that I think we all need the skills like we all need. Right. Like my daughter today is doing a she's. <laughs> She's in a forensics class and she is, it's kind of an interesting, morbid thing, but she has to be the defending attorney for, unfortunately, the guy who is the uh, person, he, he did something really bad here in the United States, right? And she goes, but, and I said, okay, well, how do you want to make people feel, right? Like she's, you know, I said, like, what is, and I asked her the same question. I think that the reason why, I think I've always loved just, getting out there. I think that to be that not to be, not to be the message, but to be the messenger, whether it was defending somebody that didn't have their voice or didn't use their voice. I think that I've always been that way since I was like 12 years old. Like I need, someone needs to speak out. Someone needs to, you know, my the voice needs to be heard. So I've always loved debate. I've always loved getting out there. And like I said, being the messenger, not the message. 
Um, and I think that, how did I get involved? I just went out there and started doing it. You know, I think that there's such an importance of just getting out there and discovering your voice and finding your voice and finding like, what is, what is, what really makes you unique? Um, and I always say that I'm real, I'm raw, I'm right from the heart. And that's what people get from me. I just feel very deeply and, um, but I also make sure I'm very prepared. I don't just go out there and just kind of wing it either. Um, I make sure I think about like, what really is my outcome? What are some of the tools that I'm going to use in my toolbox? I, many years ago, there was a lady that spoke at an event. I'm not going to use her name, but she was, I was watching her. And I think that that's the other thing you've got to watch. And I was looking, I'm like, gosh, like she didn't like speak that much. She, but she was using like videos and she was using you know, other people's stories to get everybody to feel emotional. And I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Right. And now like with YouTube and so many great TikTok videos and I don't know, so many great things. If you're getting started, find a couple of things maybe that you can use as you kind of warm up and find your style. So are there, is there a video that you could use um, to kind of move people emotionally? It might not be you, but if you can see that, oh my gosh, that made an impact on people. And then what do they do? They rep, they think of you when they think of that video. Right. So I think that we always talk about this, right? The person that's most resourceful always wins. So, you know, you know, use those resources that are around you, whether it's a video, whether it's music, whether it's other people, whether it's exercises, just play around with it and see what feels right for you. I think that's a great point because um, the greatest resource that you can have is, is not money, is not um, this and that and that and so on. It's really the resourcefulness. Like how resourceful can you be in the moment when it really counts? Yep. How do you, because, and, and you're very well known as a person who is very, very resourceful. Um, how did you learn that skill? Was it something that you always had? And where does it come from? Like, where do you draw your resources from when the moment comes? <laughs> I think I've always been that way. But if we want to go back to the Tony Robbins story, it's kind of funny. <clears throat> I don't, I mean, I think that for me, it's just, you find a way, like you just make a way. It's just, there's, there's not an option. You just figure it out. I remember when we were doing a wealth mastery program and it was really boring. Tony looked at the whole syntax. I think this was back in about 1991, 1992. And he looked at it and he goes, this is incredibly boring. I can't, I can't do this for everybody. And it was probably about five hours before the event was starting. And he goes, we need to make this fun. We need like a wheel. We need like a Harley Davidson. We need jewelry. We need this. We need that. And like, he's going off and he looks at me. He's like, Lauren, go find all that stuff. And I'm like, how long do I have this? He goes, you got five hours. And I'm like, oh my God. Right. And I didn't go. I don't have time. I don't have the resources. We were in Phoenix, Arizona. I, I didn't know anybody in Phoenix, Arizona. I didn't know anything. Right. But I was like, I will make a way. I will make it happen. And you know, I found jewelry. I not only did I find jewelry, I found the best jeweler in in you know Phoenix, Arizona, who actually I'm going to see in two weeks, who's still a friend of mine. What 30 years later, so found jewelry. I found a Harley. I found a VW Bug. Like he wanted a, some blue 1967 Bug, like he drew. I mean that he drove back then. So I think for me, it's a game. It's fun. I'm like, I can make it happen. I can find a way. I'll do it. You know, I'll do whatever that it takes to find a way. 
So I don't look at it like it's a like it's work. I look at it like it's an adventure. And my parents always taught me, I think, because we lived way far from the city. We lived about, you know, 30 minutes from the city. And um, so my mom would always say, we're going on an adventure. So I would always look for all of the things to make it an adventure versus like we have to drive 30 minutes every time to go to school. So I think I've just always been that way. And I think it's very beautiful that you're saying that because that's also shows your beliefs behind it. Because when you're saying it's an adventure, that's a difference to somebody who crumbles maybe um, when there comes an opportunity to shine in terms of like then because they're saying something else to themselves. They're saying like, oh, my God, I cannot do this or, or whatever kind of stuff. What's going on in your internal dialogue? So yeah. it's, it's really beautiful to, to see that. One uh, staying on the topic of, of actually public speaking, motivational speaking, you already brought a few things of um, what you would what advice you would give to somebody who is just starting out. When you're looking at today's field of, of motivational speaker, uh, first of all, there are, I believe that there are more motivational or public speakers or something out there than ever. Um, how do you see that? Like, how has it developed over the last decades? And also, how do you see the scene right now? Is this all? Um, is this is this all for real? Do you really want to know or are you just asking? What do you want to no, know? No, I really want to know. Well, first of all, I think everybody has a story. Um, and I think everybody's story is, is important. Um, I think that you have to, once again, really stay true to what's important to you. I've never looked at myself as a public speaker. I've never like looked at myself as a motivational person. I've looked at what is the message that I really want people to hear from me like what's the message that I can give most and you know this as you know this past weekend I just did a dream come true for me and I did it like I did I feel like Frank Sinatra I feel like I did it my way even though everybody was kind of like oh my gosh you have too many people on stage and this is ridiculous and I'm like you know what when you put up the amount of money that I did and when you do it is then you can do it whatever you want and I can't tell you how many people were just like this is exactly what I needed And so, like I said, I'm really aware. I'm aware of what people are missing. Um, you know, we always talk about when you can heal the wounds, you're the hero. And I know as a, you know, as a woman, what the message has always been that I wanted to help get across for people. And then I hear so many women say that they're just tired. And I knew that that was my opportunity to create something that would help heal that wound for people. Um, so I would say one Like I said, do your homework, see what works really well for you, right? I see so many people with this kind of, I can tell you exactly whose program people went through because they have the same way of teaching people to do certain things. And it's like, and, and then when you see five in a row who've done the same one, you're like, oh my God, like there's like, oh, you know this, there's so many different ways to, um, you know, to start a talk, to deliver a talk to, so there goes the house. Sorry, there it goes. It's a little crazy now. But, um, and I, I you know, I'll, I'll reference Joseph McClendon, if those of you that might know Joseph McClendon, and those of you that are not from the Tony Robbins world, or just if you know who Tony, if know who Joseph is. But um, I was living in Fiji, and Tony, and Joseph could not go do a talk um, in Kuala Lumpur, and he asked me to go do it. And I watched all these videos of Joseph and I call him and I'm like, Joseph, I can't do this. And he goes, what are you talking about, Lauren? You do this every day. Like for 36 weeks a year, you do this every day. I go, I know, Joseph. I go, but you're just so funny. I go, I'm not just that funny. 
And he goes, I, he goes, Lauren, but I use humor for him to get comfortable with the crowd. That's what he does. He shared with me. He said that he uses humor so that he gets comfortable with the crowd. And so finding out like what's your way to get comfortable with the crowd, I think is a really important thing. So mine is not humor, right? Mine is through a story or mine's through asking a question sometime. So I think that you've got to find your style. And the way that you do that is even just start by going into a conversation with people. How do you feel comfortable? Do you feel comfortable asking a question? Do you feel comfortable complimenting someone? Do you feel comfortable um, referencing a story that you've heard? So I would say to people, just be real because people can feel when you're real or when you're not, right? They just, it's like, if it's like when you hear something, you're like, oh my God, again, here we're going with this whole like way, you know, that this is the only way to do things. So that's what I would say to people. Be aware of just your daily conversations. Be aware of how you're showing up. And uh, and then when you feel really like in your power, I would say. I think it's beautiful. And it comes back to, again, be like be yourself. Discover who you really are. Also discover who your audience really is. Like who are you doing this for? And, mm -hmm. and like, like you discovered that women are, are for example, at the event that you just had, it's, it's for women and, and there are wounds to be solved and so on. And, and I remember once, um, now that you were saying this uh, story with Joseph McClendon, I, uh, a few years ago, I got called on, it was on a Monday. They said, oh, uh, for, there's an event on Friday and, and they, they lost a speaker because he's sick. And um, if I could jump in and, and then I was like, okay, wh what is it about? And he, they were like, yeah, you know, that, that was a, a professor uh, and he worked at, at uh, Volkswagen and, and he actually, uh, it was going to be something about IT versus IE, like um, IT versus industrial engineers and so on. And I was thinking like, what do I have to do with that? Like that has, <laughs> has nothing to do with what I'm doing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. I know you you have like a sports background and so on, but maybe we can do something in a way uh, that actually fits you in there. Uh, and that made sense because I could never have given that speech that he did because it was not even my topic. But it's well, really yeah, that's, really, that's really interesting that you said that. I don't talk about it that much, but you know, I was back when I wrote my first book, and I was called by Harpo Studios, and they wanted me to do a show. And I was like, Oh my God, this is Harpo Studios. This is 2002. This is the moment. Like this is it. And my friend was like, a TV don't show. TV show. Yeah, on Oprah. To be on Oprah, and um, my they called me and I was like so excited. I was like sweating everywhere, and they I said, "What is the show you want me to do?" And they go, "We want you to do a show about how to get your husband to do more around the house." And I took a big deep breath and I go, um, "I'm not your girl." And they go, "You do realize that this is Harpo Studios, like Oprah Winfrey, like the show." And I'm like, "I get it, like I get it, but." I'm not, I don't want to be known as the girl who got her husband to do more around the house. And that's when me, that's when for me, I started to say to myself, if I say yes to this, am I staying true to myself? Right. And that became my question always. And so I, I turn down some things sometimes for myself because I'm like, eh, I'm not your girl. That's not really, you know, what, what really resonates with me. Thanks very much. And I think the other thing is I don't, I, I'm not, how do I say this? I'm not driven by being paid for keynote talks and that that's not what drives me. I first find out if it really resonates with me. I don't say yes all the time, even if I've been accepted for a keynote 
lots of times I'm like, I got to find out, make sure that that's, that's, that's my peeps. Right. And I'm not saying that all the time, but, and it's interesting because I show up differently and I'm not doing it for the money. I think lots of times I, and once again, it's something that I, I learned from Tony a long time ago when he said, you know, before he's like, he, when he would go to QVC, he's like, that's what the it, home shopping thing, shopping network. When he would go, that's where he went to like make the income so that he could do what he loved, which was teaching events. Right. And so like, I learned a lot from him, like just as you're growing your business too, be willing, don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, that look at sometimes you might just have like a, a career that brings you in some stability. And then you don't seem when you're out, like as a speaker, like that you're desperate to get a talk or desperate to sell a program. Right. That's just kind of like icing on the cake as well. Right. When we were together, that was icing on the cake for me. It wasn't like I was there. I was like, oh, I got to spend time with my friends. I got to do this. I got to do that. And, and, and then I show up differently versus like, got to do this for the money. So, and that's fantastic. And, and, and really also, um, that story with you and, and Oprah or the Oprah show, it really shows because you really got to be careful. Also, like when there comes an opportunity, not every opportunity that, shines gold is gold because yep. maybe it is gold for somebody else but if this is not the direction you want to go to then um <laughs> there are so many you just need to look at hollywood there are so many people who who then took a role that they actually didn't want to do or didn't want to didn't fit and then they got burnt and then or they, got, or they got stereotyped into something i was just reading about sharon stone right when she did basic instinct and then after that that it was so hard for her to get another job because everybody kind of had her as this naughty girl with basic instinct. Right. And what happened for her or the same thing that happened a lot. You're, you're right. People got stereotyped as, you know, or James Bond actors, most of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's James Bond or yeah. Harry Potter, whatever. Like, but let's, let's go back to, to writing to, because you also said that you, and, and I mentioned in the beginning, that you authored uh, several books. One of them even was in the top three books of 2010 with the title yeah. Life Tune-Ups. What made you become a writer and, and how did you start out? Oh my gosh, I, I love to write. That's, that's my passion. I was, uh, you know, as I said, I was a journalism major at the University of Georgia. So for me, writing ever since I was a little girl, I remember going into, you know, into the forest, and I would just go and I would take a little a journal and I would just go out there with my dog and I would just write, 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 write. So for me, it's always been a beautiful way just to express myself, whether I read it or not. Again, I just, I love writing. I just love, I, I've had, I had amazing English teachers who inspired creative writing for me, even though I hated it at the time. Um, I loved what I learned from them to just get that creativity out of me. Um, but yeah, my book, Life Tune-Ups, that was a personal development book for, for women. And I was just like, okay, what lessons can I take that I've learned along this journey and just instill it, you know, make it really easy for everybody to follow. And I made it so there was a book that was more that they could go back and really use those skills. It wasn't just like a one-time read. So I think I've, I've always been like that. It's just my, it's a great release for me. I have a freaking gazillion journals. I have a gazillion notebooks and I just love it. I just love to write. Uh, when you like, 
I think for many people, many people would love to write a book, would love to start a business and so on. And and oftentimes they never get over the, the brainstorming phase where they're like, okay, either there are too many or too few ideas. Like, I don't know where to start. I, I have so many topics, which one is the right one for you? And then they, they are stuck in that um, and a paralysis of analysis in a way. Um, like how do you get over that hump? How do you decide on a topic that you say, all right, that's now what I'm going to do? Well, I mean, that's a big thing for me when I wrote my first book. It was a book for moms. And I basically, I think most people are emotionally constipated. I think people know what the book is that they want to write. So I have people go through a process to, just to see it is already done. Who has it helped? Who has it served? Once again, just to, a great metaphor that I heard is that vision, when you have a vision, it create, when you create that vision, it creates the action that you're going to take or that you're not going to take. So for me, I can't imagine like having a vision and not taking any action. So you got to look at some patterns of where else that shows up, you know, for you in your life of, of like why you're not moving forward. But I made a public commitment. Um, it was a big thing for me. I made a public commitment. I made a manifestation board of it. I mean, I know my winning formula for me to get the success that I have in my life. And I just, I mean, back then there was no, no internet the way that there is. So I would go to Barnes and Noble and I'd buy a bunch of books and I'd think about what the cover of the book was going to look like. I was going to think about, I started reaching out to like people that I wanted to do testimonials. I mean, I assumed that it was already done. I did photo shoots of what, book, what photos were going to be in the book and what the feeling was like of the book. So once again, I had the vision of what it was so that I, I knew what actions that I needed to take. So I would just say, just do it. I mean, when, even if it's like a 20 page book, just do it, right? Um, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? And now there's so many tools, like you even shared some of the tools with me, um, you know, with AI, at least it can give you maybe a, a brief overview and then you can like fill in between with your own voice and like, let's say it gives you that basic outline of what you really want to talk about. And now there's so many great resources, you know, that help you write book ghost writers. I mean, I'm, I haven't never used, you know, resources like those, but I mean, I've got, I've tried to write writing coach and I have a writing coach that I'm working on another book right now. And so I work with them and they helped kind of take my ideas and help me sort them in the right way, but just do it. That's all I'd say. Just do it. I feel like I'm in the Nike commercial. Just do it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, another thing, another topic that you already have mentioned before when you said, uh, when you were mentioning how you met Tony um, at, the, at the, like basically bringing out meals and also you've you started your own journey of, philanthro uh, of philanthropy where you fed more than 5,000 people through blessing backpacks. And you helped Every year. Every year. Yeah. So I do it on my 50th birthday and I get 5,100, then 50. 200 my 52nd 53 57 moving to 58 so yes and that's uh, it's beautiful and also you uh, brought hearing aids to more than 5,000 people in vietnam um why is giving so important to you because it, that's somehow a commonality from um from many people who are very successful that they also love to give why is that for you a must because i can because I can, you know, because I can, because I can, I have those resources nearby and I have the people that can help me make it happen. And so I feel that it's not an opportunity. I feel like it's a responsibility, you know, I mean, just, I'm still waiting for the numbers this weekend, but that, you know, I decided to do an auction at this event that I was putting on 
and I brought in a live auctioneer and he's like, Lauren, we're still counting because we, we can't, it's, it's almost four days later. And he's like, oh my gosh, like everybody wanted to give and I can't wait to give these checks to knowing what that it can do for people, you know, knowing that it can help somebody, you know, just, I mean, I have a, a few virtual assistants and I have a girl who's in um, the Philippines and she, she hasn't done, you know, some work for, for me in, in just a couple of weeks, but um, I know she has to have a C-section to have her baby. And in the Philippines, a C-section is 1200 us dollars, I guess. And so I told her, I said, I'm not just going to give you money. We're going to, you know, do it. We're going to do this. And so that you can trade for some work. And I wanted her to earn it. Cause I think there's something about ownership, but you know, she sent me a picture of the baby today, you know, wow. because I could, you know, and I know she's going to work and I know she's going to do all those things, but I, I don't do it for any other reason other than I that, you know, I mean, I've, I've been in, I've had times where I was like, I had more, months at the end of the money and wondering like how I was going to get through it. And I, you know, and I did, I just, and some people just have a bad streak or something happens in their life. And, you know, so many people are just one paycheck away from being homeless. I mean, so many people that just have a, have, have something happen. I don't know. I don't know their stories, but it's my responsibility. I don't think it's a, I don't do it other than it's the right thing to do. So. Well, very beautiful. And also, um, one of the things that I also got to get you, uh, give you kudos is because you love to connect people, you love to, to bring people together that actually can can make an impact. And, and, and let's switch over for some um, rapid fire questions here, nearing to the end. Who is somebody that you admire and look up to, uh, and, or look up to, and why? Who is something that I, that I admire and look up to, and why? Um, gosh, somebody I look up to and admire. Well, she, well, she just passed away, but she was my favorite. Was uh, Barbara Walters just being the pioneer, willing to, you know, she had no judgment about who she interviewed. She interviewed everybody. I mean, she was the pioneer of the broadcast world, and um, she had, she had guts. You know, she had gusto. She was elegant and graceful and badass all at the same time so yes barbara walters wow the best book you ever read and why oh the best book i ever read the alchemist for sure wow i love that why oh but I, if, if i tell you why then we're going to give away the punchline for everybody but you know why all right okay i'm gonna leave it like that um one thing you cannot live without one thing that i cannot live without wow I think my, I think my, I think my, oh gosh, one thing I can't live without. Do I say it's, I don't know, probably my dog, I mean, dogs. I have to have my dogs. <laughs> very beautiful, <laughs> very beautiful. Before we actually, before we wrap it up and before I'm going to ask you a final question, um, before that, let me know where can people find out more about you? Like if they got inspired, if they say, wow, um, I really want to find out more about Lauren. I want to, I want to work with her or, or something. Um, where can they find you? They can find me just, they can go to, I am Lauren Lahav on 
Instagram. They can go to my website, www.laurenlorenlahav.com. They can find out about the Own Your Worth Experience at ownyourworthexperience.com. They can find me everywhere, I think. I'm not so good at all of the channels, but probably Instagram and Facebook are the best. Okay, very beautiful. Um, what do you want to have the audience take away from this conversation? Stay true to who you are. Stay true to who you are. Don't, you know, don't waste the person that you are. You know, we all have our unique gift. I mean, we all do work in the same, I guess, world, but we're all so different. And just stay true to that because otherwise then that that then you'll live a really fulfilling life and you won't have any regrets because you know that you followed what mattered most to you. So that's what I would say to everybody. Beautiful. Very, very beautiful. And I got to ask one, one last thing. Okay. Um, in the background, we see a lot of, um, for those of you watching it, if, if you're in the podcast, uh, then you cannot, but in the background, you see a lot of um, manifestation boards. Yeah. Yeah. Like one quick uh, thought about that. Like we're in our minute, basically. So I have a course called Manifest Your Magnificence. And it's, these are, this is just 12 years. I have another 20 years over there. And really for me, it's who do I need to become in all the different areas of my life and my health and my relationships and my identity and who I surround myself with and what I'm learning. And those remind me of like who I need to become. And I have my outcomes in, and my goals in each of those categories and I give myself a little star when I make it happen. So yes, that is my driver. It's obnoxious for everybody, but I love it. So. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Thanks you very much. Me. Everybody give it up for Lauren Lahav. Thanks so much, Ronnie. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for sticking with us until the end. To make this content even more valuable for you, please leave a comment below and share your thoughts and also share this video with somebody you care about who absolutely needs to see this. Thank you very much. Have an outstanding day and see you next time.